your praises. We have asked for your blessing. And Lord, now we come to your word and we ask you to speak to us through it. Use it and the power of your Holy Spirit to transform us more and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus, growing us in maturity of faith. Lord, bless us and glorify yourself this morning through the preaching of your word, the worship of your people, and the fellowship that we have with one another and with you. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So back in September of last year, I had been really sick. Uh, Actually, going back a year before that, in 2019, I was starting to feel sick a lot. Stomach problems. And I I talked to my doctor about it in, uh, I think, January of last year, and then for, you know, obvious reasons, it took until September to sort out whatever was going on with me. Uh, anyway, last September I was diagnosed with, a, with a, uh, a condition called celiac disease, which you might be familiar with. It's that gluten thing, you know? Gluten, what is gluten? I can't eat it, that's what it is. Um, and this has been good for me in that uh, I've, had, I've changed my diet and I feel tremendously better. Um, and all of these sim- unexplainable symptoms have, have gone away. Um, on the other hand, though, the radical change in my diet that I've had to undertake has been harder than I thought. Uh, it's sort of like, okay, you can't eat pizza anymore. Like, you're going to be okay. You can still have steak. It's great. Um, but, you know, our relationship to food is really significant in our lives. We, we, you might not think about this. Maybe you don't consider yourself a foodie, uh, but I know some of you do. Um, food, food is an essential part of our lives and our, our culture, our families. Like, we share it together. And I think that's been the hardest part for me is that now it's so much, it's not just that I can't eat all the things that I want to eat, it's much harder for me to share food with other people because I have to be very strict about what I eat. And it's been a powerful reminder of, of that, of food's importance and the role it plays in our lives. And so it's no coincidence that the Bible uses the metaphor of food and of eating very consistently. I wrote down at least 18 verses in my notes. Don't worry, we're not going to read all of them. But at least 18 verses in my notes with very, uh, with clear and explicit uh, illustrations throughout, from throughout the Bible of God comparing eating food um, to hearing his word. And so this morning... We're going to continue talking about the spiritual disciplines, and we'll be talking about meditating on God's Word. The uh, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are, let me throw that slide up because I didn't write this down. Practices that are essential to helping us grow in Christ. This is what we've said uh, each time that we've uh, done one of these sermons, just bringing that point home again. We've recommended a couple books. Um, we'll be returning to the spiritual disciplines again later in the year, so um, the two books we, we consistently recommend, and we'll recommend again later, are The Common Rule by Justin Whitmill Early and Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Uh, highly recommend those books. Um, any point this year, if you have a chance to read one of those, I'm sure you will be blessed by it. But this morning we're going to be talking about meditating on God's Word, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 63 as our main text. And so let's read together from Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh 
faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. This is God's word. The psalmist expresses his deep trust, both in, in God's vindication and judgment of his, of his enemies and those who do evil, um, and also of God's saving power. God, he remembers God on his bed. He meditates on him in the watches of the night. And he uses the illustration, the metaphor of food, to describe what it is like to meditate on God and receive his word. He says that it is satisfying as with rich and fat food. You might have had, like, you might have had a, a steak once or twice in your life. <laughs> it's, it may be only on, maybe, maybe it's somewhat more of a special occasion, not something you'd eat every day, but it's also something that if you really want one, you can go out and get one. But for the ancient people, if you wanted a steak, fat and rich, man, that was an exceptional luxury. And most common people probably would rarely have that kind of meal. I mean, think of in, the, in the parable of the prodigal son, when the father slaughters the fattened calf, right? That is a huge, big deal. Like, you, would, you could count and remember every time you had a meal like that. And so it's, it's that kind of, of exceptional and fantastic satisfaction that the psalmist is talking about as with fat and rich food. This, this, this illustration, this analogy of receiving God's word by eating, like I said, it's, it's all over the place, but it's, it's in a couple places very explicitly. In, in Jeremiah 15, the prophet is pleading with God, show, trying, to, trying to remind God of his righteousness, his faithfulness as a prophet. He says, O Lord, you know, Remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O God, O Lord, God of hosts. Very similarly, in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet says, the prophet receives from God. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. 
Then I ate it, and it was in my, and in my mouth as sweet as honey. When John in Revelation encounters an angel, he has almost the exact same experience. So he is told to, here's a book, here's a scroll, eat it. It's a powerful prophetic imagery. Like, like just think about it. Like, even me trying to put these papers together and eat them would be ridiculous and challenging, right? Um, eat this book, consume it, digest it. Receive it in a very potent way. And so what God wants us to do is think of his word as food. So if we think of the Bible as food, one, we're, we're going we're to recognize our need for it and we're going to faithfully consume it. Now, there's a lot of babies here this morning uh, and more on the way, which is awesome. Um, my, my, my daughter is about to turn one years old, uh, one year not plural yet, one year. And, you know, we have been faithfully feeding her day in and day out. Katie more than me, but I help. And, you know, at first she really did not like taking a bottle. Uh, she might have, she even wasn't always the best at breastfeeding. But, man, we have, we have fed her, and slowly, day after day, she has grown. She can say the word hi now. It's exciting, Right? The metaphor of food also teaches us this, right? There is, there's no shortcut to get Abby, my one-year-old, to the place where my three-and-a-half-year-old Lizzie is now, where she can speak in complete sentences, she can run around and jump and scream and tackle me. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no way to get there. There's no big meal that I can give to Abby that's going to just bring her up a few years. No, it's, it's the faithful and consistent consuming of food that has slowly, day after day after day, nourished her and grown her and will continue to grow her and nourish her until she's a little girl, until she's a teenager, until she is a woman well into and throughout her life. That's how it works and how it has for all of us. And so it is with God's Word. Yes, God's Word can be like the most incredible feast like the juiciest steak, satisfying and exceptional, fat and rich. But also, as food, it is essential to nourish us. Every time we eat a meal, we don't have that kind of amazing, incredible experience uh, when we eat an exceptional meal or when we have a feast. But we would, you wouldn't not eat just because it isn't incredible. You wouldn't you know, you, you, you have hunger, you have need, right? Even if the food isn't good, if you're hungry enough, man, you've got to eat it. And so it is with, with the Scripture. Not every day that you sit down to read or hear God's Word will you have that kind of incredible, life-changing experience. Though God works miracles and He speaks through His Word in incredible ways. No, but every day, even when it feels mundane or unexceptional, God's Word is nourishing us growing us, maturing us, though we may not notice it or appreciate it. And so if we're going to think of God's word as food, we should be able to learn to delight in it the way we delight in the best of food. We should also know our desperate, consistent need for it and faithfully consume it 
even when we don't feel the immediate transformation of it, right? If you, you, know, you go on a diet, you, know, you, you eat a salad for dinner tonight, you weigh, you weigh yourself tomorrow, like, not much is going to change, right? It's going to take a while. Similarly, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, I'm not going to read the news and I'm not going to check my email, I'm going to read God's word, it probably isn't going to be an incredible revelation. No, it's going to take time. But doing that consistently, reading God's word in the morning before anything else, that will form you and change the way you think about yourself and the world. It will help you to see through the lens of Scripture. So the Bible likes to mix metaphors, and we're going to move on to hearing, but, but here's how, I, I said we've talked about meditating, but I haven't really talked about that word very much. Uh, that's because I think that we, we really have so many strange associations with meditation that the word, I, I, you know, I could redefine it. I, I don't think that it really gets across the idea as much. Think about it. I want to think about it like this. Eugene Peterson has a great, a great um, analysis of the Hebrew word that we translate as meditate. The Hebrew word is hagah. So here's what he says about it. Hagah is a word that our Hebrew ancestors used frequently for reading the kind of writing that deals with our souls. But meditate is far too tame for, for what is being signified. Meditate seems more suited to what I do in a quiet chapel on my knees with a candle burning, or to what my wife does sitting in a rose garden with a Bible in her lap. But when Isaiah uses the word to describe a lion and his meal, Isaiah's lion and my dog, they meditate by chewing and swallowing using teeth and tongue, stomach, and intestines. Isaiah's lion meditated on his goat. My dog meditates his bone. There is a certain kind of writing that invites this kind of reading. Purrs and growls as we taste and savor, anticipate the soul-energizing morsels of words. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Isaiah uses the same word a few pages later for the cooing of a dove. And so Isaiah uses the word meditate to describe the way a lion savors and growls over his prey and the way a, a dove coos. It's a sound that you make. Literally, it, it's muttering, speaking, saying. And so that brings us and to what Jesus says about food and the word of God. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, is led into the wilderness to be tempted. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so not, all, not only are we to eat God's word, eat the book, we are to hear God's word. Every word that comes from God's mouth, God speaks and we hear. And hearing is also, in the Bible, a metaphor. Often it's, yes, literal. Someone is speaking and another person is listening and using their ears to hear. 
But often, that is also a metaphor. Um, Jesus will, will, will say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, in Deuteronomy, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Hear, not read. Not listen, hear. And the word hear has, implies not just that you've been in the presence of the sound and it's registered, but that you have taken, that, taken the meaning in and received it and obeyed it. As we quoted Deuteronomy 6 last week, right? That, that passage goes on to say how you will teach these words to your children, you will talk of them when you sit in your house. Um, like these words, you don't just hear them, you receive them, you, you, you take them in. Hearing implies doing, it implies change. God's word is powerful and it has an effect on those who hear it, not just those who listen to it. And so, I'm not trying to tell you not to read your Bible, but of course that is my, that's my main point today, is that I want you to read your Bible, to think about it, to meditate on it. I want you to hear God's word, and sometimes we can begin to do that by literally hearing it, by reading it out loud, by reading it out loud with another person, hearing it in their voice, sharing it with them. Again, uh, Jesus mixed the metaphors, so, so I will too, right? Uh, what, what we want to do with hearing and eating is to eat with our ears. You can meditate in the way that the psalmist does, in the way that the Bible commends, by eating with your ears. Eating with your ears. Not just studying a plate of food and understanding what makes it up, cutting it, eating it, chewing it, digesting it. Not just reading something and, and studying it and knowing what it says, but hearing what it says and allowing what it says to change your soul, to sustain and nourish you in the way that food nourishes our bodies. We want to eat with our ears. We want to savor and be changed. And so, What it looks like to do this, to meditate on God's word in this way, it's, it's very similar to what we teach our children to do here in Dig. We read scripture together and we encourage them to wonder. And it's very simple and it's at the same time quite profound. If you've, ever, if you've been a Dig teacher yourself, if you've talked to someone, you, you know that their experience as Dig teachers, they are always consistently surprised the things that children wonder about and that they, have, they as teachers have learned a great deal themselves about the scripture and about God because they've shared this conversation and encouraged the wonder of a child. We're teaching our kids to do that not just because it's doable for them but because it is a lifelong practice and discipline and it's what we should be doing as well. We can do it better, better and more, more elaborately I mean not better, more elaborately and more uh, you know, with more study and more context, with, you know, with deeper questions, but we must do it. 
So I thought this morning we could go back to our call to worship, which is a a wonderful passage for this purpose, for for the purpose of meditation, a parable of Jesus, short, self-contained, memorable. You know it very well if you've spent much time in church throughout your life. Jesus' parable about the lost sheep. So let's take a moment and read that again in Luke chapter 15. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Let's, if, you've been reading this, if you've read this passage in context, you, you, you might say, oh, well, I, you might read this and say, well, I know that Jesus' sheep are those that he loves, just as a shepherd cares for his sheep. But you might wonder, when was I lost? And am I now part of the flock? How do I feel about the shepherd seeking out sheep that have abandoned or walked away? What does it look like for Jesus to rejoice? What does it look like for me to rejoice with him? As you, as you ask questions, you might be tempted to study, right, to dig in. This is what, this is what I do. I want to know, oh man, I want to know what that word is in Greek. I want to know what, what this is. And that's, that's a good instinct, right? But it, it can often distract from simply re- hearing and receiving what is being said. Jesus' parables are especially like this, right? They're supposed to be very simple and straightforward. But one thing you can learn, and you don't have to do this by studying other languages, What is a sheep like? I wonder what a sheep, a lost sheep, looks like. I wonder what it smells like. Uh, And if you've been around farm animals, if you've done this kind of work, they're not the beautiful, pristine, clean lamb that we see in the flannel graph or the picture, the illustrated kid's Bible. That communicates the idea well, but no, uh, sheep are, are, are quite dirty often, as most animals are, especially their, their underside, right? Their, their, their fur that goes along the ground. And so, what is it like for Jesus to put this scared, dirty animal on his shoulders? To joyfully do that and carry it home. To have its back, sweaty back, resting against his neck. And then you can ask yourself that question again. When was I that sheep? How much more does it mean that Jesus did that for me with joy? Our meditation and our questions can prompt us to, to study. Our study, though, just like, like that example, knowing what a sheep is like, what 
what a farm is like, should, again, prompt us back into meditation, questioning, and wondering. I don't have a prof- any profound insight into this simple passage to share with you this morning. I want to share it again with you to encourage you to faithfully return to it this week. This parable from Luke chapter 15 about the lost sheep. Again, it's short, it's memorable, and you know it. But I want to challenge you to savor it this week. Or at least to read it and let it nourish you, even if the taste seems bland. See how that changes day to day. Recite it to yourself. Speak it out loud. Think of what it was like to be standing in a crowd and hear this man say these words. See what new questions and wonderings you have as you meditate and think about this passage. And by God's grace and the power of his spirit, he will meet you through his word. He will speak to you and he will nourish your soul. And so my prayer for us as we meditate and develop this discipline, which many of you have, and I commend you for it, that we will continue to grow and mature into the likeness of our Savior Jesus, that would be able to share his word with others. If you're going to have a feast, you're not going to eat it alone. If we're going to treat God's word like food, we've got to share it. That's what we do. That's what it's for. So I would challenge you and encourage you this week, meditate on God's word. Let it be a delight to you. Let it be nourishment to you. Let it keep you alive and sustain you. Let's share it with others and be blessed by it. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful that you speak to us 